E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Philly Sports Power Hour. I feel like every single day I'm saying the same thing now. What a time it is to be a Philadelphia sports fan. What a night last night down in South Philly. The Philadelphia Phillies are in playoff form. Everybody's hitting, and we got to talk about my man, Aaron Nola. If you tuned in yesterday for the show, I was a little worried about him. Didn't necessarily have confidence in him in a big moment, but man, did he show up last night. We got a great show scheduled today. We're going to talk some Phillies in the first segment, and then coming on at 1020, Mickey Morandini from the 1993 Fighting Phils is going to break it all down for us, give us his opinions about what we just saw and what we can expect from that Atlanta Braves team. So stay tuned for Mickey Morandini at 1020. After Morandini, you know we can't go a show without talking about our Eagles, so we will talk at the end of the show about this Week 5 matchup against the Los Angeles Rams. Guys, I appreciate all of you. Keep engaging, like, share. Jason A-Team, welcome to the show. I'm Bill Calarulo. We're going to try to make this the best hour in Philly sports talk. The Real Zeal, I was hoping you were here today. The Real Zeal called it yesterday in the chat saying Aaron Nola shows up in big moments, and man, did he show up last night. Eagles fan, what is up? Scott shares, good to see you again as well. Appreciate you. The show should be longer. I appreciate that, man. The Real MP. Your favorite Phillies team, the 90s team. That, that's when I fell in love with Philadelphia Phillies baseball was in the 90s. I was a kid, Mickey Morandini. You can't say the name Mickey Morandini or even read the name Mickey Morandini without hearing Harry Callis in your head saying, Mickey Morandini. So I am excited to get to talk to him today. But guys, hit us up in the chat. Let me know what you thought about last night. Just an electric performance by that entire team. But let's start right away. Jim Eisenreich. I remember Jim Eisenreich, Pete Inconvelia. Who was the pitcher that used to rip his shirt off after the games? Was that Jackson? Used to pull the, the Hulk Hogan after they would win? Who was that? Was that Jackson? Let me know in the chat if that was, if that was Jackson. I think it was. First pitch last night, Jamie Moyer. They bring him back. That was pretty cool to see him. But let's talk about Aaron Nola. We said yesterday, last season, really an up-and-down playoff performance. He came out hot in the wild card round, throws six and two-thirds against the St. Louis Cardinals, doesn't give up a run. Division series, another good outing against the Atlanta Braves, six innings, zero earned runs. But then he started getting hit around. The San Diego Padres really – Really hit him in only four and two-thirds in the National League Championship Series, and he didn't really pitch well in that World Series. And then this season, it's been a roller coaster. A lot of fans didn't have confidence in him. I can't say that I had a lot of confidence in him going into last night. And we talked about this yesterday, and in the chat we were saying, hey, if we could get five innings out of him and two runs, we'd be happy. Well, I never expected him to actually have a better outing than what we saw Zach Wheeler have in game one. In game one, Zach Wheeler goes six and two-thirds, gives up five hits and one run, 
And Aaron, Aaron Nola says, hey, I see you, Zach. I see you. And he one-ups him with seven innings of only three-hit baseball and zero runs. And not only was he tremendous pitching the ball, I really felt that the major turning point in that game was when Aaron Nola picked off birdie in the third inning. At that point in the third inning, you got one out. Birdie's on second. The score is 0-0. Phillies just strand a runner in scoring position. Rail Muto hits a double in the second. He gets stranded with Stott striking out. And now they come into the third inning, one out, birdie in scoring position, and Aaron Nola picks him off. That was huge. You talk about a momentum swing at that point in the game. Just such a great play by Aaron Nola. And then next pitch, Aaron Bo- excuse me, Alec Bohm makes a great play at third base. They get out of the inning. And then what happens to start the third? Christian Pache, leadoff walk. Then we see our boy Kyle Schwarber. He doesn't only hit home runs. Rips a double down the line. Scores Pache. Just a really, really awesome thing to see. And then Trey Turner comes right up. He gets a single. Phillies go up 2-0 in the third. That could have been a completely different third inning, but for Aaron Nola picking off birdie at second base. So let me know in the chat. What's up, JM? It's good to see you. I didn't expect that performance either by Aaron Nola, and he was just lights out all night. And let's stick with the pitching before we get into these these hitters because, man, Bryson Stott. We got to talk about Bryson Stott, but let's let's stay with this pitching. Where the heck did Orion Kirkring come from? Man, did he look nasty coming out of the bullpen last night? That was a big question mark I had for this team. Is hey, we know they're going to be able to score runs hopefully with this lineup. We know Zach Wheeler is an ace, but the one question mark is what Aaron Nola are we going to get? And then the other question mark is what does our bullpen look like? And in two games, bullpen looked pretty damn good. Bullpen looked pretty good. Jose Alvarado in game one, Jeff Hoffman in game one. Kimbrell made us a little bit nervous in the ninth the other night, but he shuts it down. And then last night, Orion Kirkring looked like his pitches are unhittable right now. You you have an arm like that coming out of the bullpen. Watch out. Watch out. With this lineup and that bullpen, and then Soto throwing 100 in the ninth there. Did give up a run, but whew, just really good stuff. What's up, Chuck Hutton? Welcome to the show. Really good to join the Phil's Vibes, man. It is really good to join the Phil's Vibes. There is really nothing better than Philadelphia Phillies playoff baseball at the bank. So my producer was actually there last night, said it was unfreaking believable to be in that in that stadium. So I, I want to talk to Mickey Morandini. If you guys are just joining the show, Mickey Morandini is going to join us in about 10 minutes here. And I kind of want his opinion on how much louder is this place than the vet was? Because the vet would get loud. And I remember watching that 93 team, especially in that NLCS, and that place was rocking. But I don't think it was anywhere near as loud as the bank is. There's something about Citizens Bank Park, man. So we will see. Chuck Hutton, as good as they are, the Braves should be a little worried. I don't disagree, Chuck. If you're the Atlanta Braves and you're sitting at home last night and you're watching this Philadelphia Phillies team 
you got to be a little bit nervous. First of all, you know what they did to you last year in the playoffs. And now you see these bats getting hot, and you got to be a little bit nervous. Nobody choked up on the bat like Mickey. There's other, one other player did, one other batter did. His name was Barry Bonds. So two big power hitters right there, Barry Bonds and Mickey Morandini with choking up. But Morandini, I want to talk to him, too, about in 1993 NLCS, he had that bases-clearing triple that was really won them the game, won them the series. So we'll talk to Mickey Morandini about that as well. But let's talk about this lineup because to start the show before game one, I talked about we needed these, these batters to get hot. You don't want anybody in a slump. You don't want anyone in a slump to start the playoffs. When the playoffs start, it's a whole different ball game, literally. You don't want anyone in a slump, and we have all of our hitters hitting right now. Schwarber, two hits and an RBI with a run scored in two games. Trey Turner, four hits, two doubles, an RBI. Boom, two hits, two doubles, an RBI, and a run scored. Bryce Harper has a hit. Two walks, two runs scored. Relamuto goes yard last night through two games, three hits, home run, RBI, two runs scored. Castellanos, two hits, two doubles, RBI, run scored. And then Bryson Stott, five RBIs in two games, hits that grand slam last night. He's got two hits, two runs scored. And then what a move, and I want to talk about Topper, Phillies manager Rob Thompson in a second. But Christian Pache, big hit in game one, has that leadoff walk yesterday, run scored, an RBI, and Rojas even has a hit. Every single starter has gotten on the board. That is huge news for a team that looks like they're firing on all cylinders right now. But let's talk about Bryson Stott. There are only two Philadelphia Phillies who have hit grand slams in postseason play. One of them's Bryson Stott last night, and the other, the flying Hawaiian Shane Victorino. And it's crazy that Bryson Stott said last night after the game, he doesn't think he's ever hit a grand slam in his life. And he hits one in what's been the biggest moment of his career to date. So really incredible stuff. Bryson Stott does the bat spike, said he didn't even feel it. He was blacked out. But the bat spike last night puts the exclamation point on the Phillies' sweep of the Miami Marlins. But I want to talk about Phil skipper Rob Thompson. Because all season, as fans, and rightfully so, we were nervous about this Phillies team, especially to start the year. Didn't come out hot. Some of our star players up and down. Trey Turner was struggling. Aaron Nola struggling. And Topper was as calm as can be, as calm as can be. Really, really, when you talk about baseball, more so than a lot of other sports, you got to have a feel. you got to have your finger on the pulse of that locker room and how you should treat your team and how you should treat your players. Because baseball is such a long grind, 162-game season. And Topper, he's been perfect for this team. You saw what he did last year for this Philadelphia Phillies team, and you're seeing what he's doing this year with this Phillies team. And if I'm the Atlanta Braves, I'm nervous. I don't want to play this Phillies team. I don't think anybody in Major League Baseball wants to play this Phillies team. You look at this lineup, 
And if they're all hot like they are, how do you pitch against this lineup when you got Schwarber, Turner, Bohm, Harper, Real Muto, Castellanos? Now you have Bryson Stott swinging the bat. And Topper, he knows what buttons to push. And you heard it on the broadcast last night is he's very quiet, but it's the details. And there's Eric Nelson taking the words right out of my mouth. What's up, E-Dog? Good to see you, my man. Says they said it last night. Details, working off pickoff plays, game-changing move. Execution from Nola on that play was perfect. Absolutely. Eric took the words right out of my mouth. Is It's not just that Topper presses all the right buttons. It's the details. It's how they work on little things, and that's what's so important in baseball. We know that. But that was the game-changing play, in my opinion, completely swung momentum. If Nola doesn't pick him off, if Birdie doesn't get picked off there in that third, could be a whole different ballgame. Everything changed after that. Everything changed after that because right after that play, Bottom of the third, Pache with a leadoff walk, Schwarber with an RBI double, Turner with an RBI single. Then into the fourth, Nola goes one, two, three. Marlins have to do a pitching change. In comes Robertson. Real Muto takes him yard. Love to see that from our boy JT. Go to the fifth inning. Nola keeps it up. Sixth inning is when things really got out of hand for that Marlins team. Boom with a leadoff double. Harper gets on base with a walk. And then Castiano safe on an error. That was another thing the Phillies did so well in that series. Fielding. I mean, not only were they hitting the ball, not only were the pitchers pitching well, they were fielding well, they were appropriately aggressive on the base paths. Just an all-around great two games from this baseball team. And it all starts at the top with Rob Thompson, preaching those details, keeping this team focused on a 162-game season. And this is when you want to be playing your best baseball, for sure. I know we were all worried. I was at the beginning of the season. But it's a long grind. Baseball is a long grind. And they are here in the division series playing the best baseball of the season. Can't ask much. Can't ask much more. And it's all because of our boy, Philly Rob. So thank you, Topper. And they just announced the start times of game one and game two against the Atlanta Braves. It's going to be Saturday at 6.07 and then Monday night at 6.07. And we talked a little bit about this yesterday. The nice thing about the way the schedule sets up for this five-game series against the Braves is there's three rest days built in there. So you're most likely going to get Zach Wheeler in game two and then be able to bring back Zach Wheeler to start game five if it gets there. So the question is, and they haven't said anything yet, who starts game one for you if you're the Phillies? If you guys are following in the comments, let me know. Who are you starting on Saturday in Atlanta for this game? For me, I think it's got to be Ranger Suarez. I think it's got to be Ranger Suarez for a couple of reasons. One, I have faith in him. I have confidence in him. But it also would be nice you pitch him in game one. It allows you now to bring him back as a reliever later in the series if you need him. But what do you guys think in the chat? Would you bring in Suarez to start 
or would you start somebody else? I'm bringing, I'm starting Ranger Suarez in game one. I'm starting Ranger Suarez in game one. And the other thing that'll be nice to see, hopefully, is with this Atlanta Braves pitching staff that will get Brandon Marsh back in the lineup. As good as Pache's played, I'd like to see Marsh get in the lineup. But just what a good team this is. You see them, how they celebrate together as a team, how much they truly are rooting for one another. It doesn't seem like there's any clicks on this team, and you heard them say it last night that Bryson Stott talked about how there's no clicks. They're all just one. So Eric Nelson agrees he would go at Ranger. Jake Friel, it's all about getting hot at the right time, and the Phillies are doing just that. That is the truth, man. That is the truth. You saw it last season with this team, and they looked hot last night. They looked hot last night. But Aaron Nola, I can't talk about it enough. Oh, and here's our Niners all damn day. 49ers, the best team in football. We will get there, Niners, in the last segment today. We will get there. But before we start talking Eagles, we're going to be bringing on Philly's legend, Mickey Marandini. So we're going to take a quick break, and we get back. Mickey Marandini will be joining the Philly Sports Power Hour, so don't go anywhere. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. 
you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Philly Sports Power Hour on this wonderful Thursday in Red October. And it is a big pleasure for me to welcome to the show Philly's legend, Mickey Morandini. How you doing, Mickey? I'm doing great. How are you? How could we not be doing great, right? What a yeah. night. Yeah, it was fun. Um, you know, I think the first two games went as expected. Um Everything was clicking pretty much, and the fans once again were awesome. So yeah, it was uh, it was a good first series. Now, now the real playoffs start. Uh, we got to go into Atlanta and play well, obviously. Yeah, it won't be easy, but let's enjoy a little bit more about last night for a second here, Mickey. Now you played on that '93 team, which first off, I got to tell you, I was a kid watching that '93 NLCS when you hit that bases clearing triple. Yeah. What did that feel like? Because it looked awesome to watch. I'll tell you that. Well, uh, yeah, it, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Just an incredible feeling. I mean, I, I always had good success off of Maddox. Um, and, uh, you know, they walked Lenny to get to me. So that's a little added motivation. Um, and he threw me a couple really good change-ups in that bat. The one I swung through, the next one I checked my swing, and luckily they didn't say I swung. He came back with it again and hung it a little bit, and I was able to rifle it down the right field line. But uh, when I got to third base and heard the 50,000 screaming Philly fans and saw their pitching coach coming out to take Maddox out of the game, it was pretty special. I can only imagine what it felt like for you because it was awesome to watch, Mickey. It really was, man. So that's what I want to ask you. So the vet used to get loud. The vet used to get really loud. But how would you compare – the vet to Citizens Bank Park, because this place looks like something I've never seen before. Yeah, I still think the vet was louder when it was completely packed just because it was enclosed and that noise all came down on the field. But I mean, it's similar. I mean, you know, loud is loud. And um, they were fantastic again in the wild card series. Um, I thought they actually were a lot more louder last night than the night before. Um, I just think the fans expected us to win. It was a wild card series. I think everybody's looking forward to the Braves series, but it was it was still electric in there. And as the innings went on, and then after uh, Stott's home run, it really got loud. Yeah, it was Stott's grand slam. That was incredible. That was. Am I am I correct? Didn't you have a grand slam and inside the park home run grand slam or no? I had a inside the Parker. I don't think it was a grand slam, but I did hit. I hit one grand slam in my career. It was off of Dave Rigetti, um, right around All Star break in '93. So, but I don't think either of them were. Uh, I don't think the the uh, inside the Parker was a grand slam. So you had a grand slam, and you had an inside the Parker. They weren't one and the same. Correct. Gotcha. So when you're you're a baseball player and you've played in some pretty tough environments. When you're the opposing team, like the Miami Marlins were, what what does a crowd like that do to you? How does that affect you from an away team? Oh, it affects you. I mean, just the noise level um, affects you. And, you know, a lot of players will say, well, I blocked that out. That's hard to block out as an opposing player. So um, I, I thought the biggest key for the Phillies in, and really any home game is to get a few runs early, get one or two early and really get that crowd into it. 
Um, and they were able to do that in both games. And uh, it, it affects players. It really does. And, um, and it not only affects the opposing team, but it really gets your adrenaline going as a home player. And it really, it, it can elevate your game a little bit. And uh, the Philly fans obviously have been great throughout all these playoffs last year and this year. And uh, I know that will continue as, uh, as we get deeper into the playoffs. Yeah, Zach Wheeler said it after game one that his velocity was up simply because of this crowd really firing him up. Did Were you impressed, though? I expected that from Zach Wheeler. Tell us a little bit about Aaron Nola's performance last night. What a, what a night he had. Yeah, he uh, he had a great night. And I think a lot of people were kind of on the fence. You know, are we going to see the really good Aaron? Or are we going to see the one that, you know, pitches good for three or four innings and then has the big blow-up inning? But they made an adjustment in his delivery. And from what I understand is, he, you know, he's had some issues with the pitch clock. And from what I understand, there are pitch clocks to the left of him and pitch clocks to the right of him that he can look at as he's coming set. And the issue, I believe, was he was looking at the pitch clock to his right. So it was it was it was closing him up when he would go to look at that pitch clock. It was closing him up and his delivery was off a little bit. So they made the adjustment. They looked at some film and made the adjustment and told him to look at the pitch clock on the left, which kept him more open. And the last three outings, he's been phenomenal. So whoever. Whoever saw that in the film um, where he was being closed because of the pitch clock, that was genius. Uh, it really has worked out. Yeah, because if the Phillies are going to make another run, we need both Wheeler and Nola dealing for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and, you know, Wheeler and Nola, since they've pitched in this series, I would assume, I don't know if it's uh, Rangers going to pitch game one or not, or Sanchez, but we'll see Strider in game one. So in games two and three with uh, Wheeler and Nola going, I believe we'll have an advantage in that department. So um, if we can just win one in a, one of these two in Atlanta, like we did last year, um, we should be in pretty good shape. Yeah, it almost sets up good for this Phillies team like it did last year, where you go on the road, you only have to win one or two, and then you get to come back to this Citizens Bank Park environment. So I kind of like starting out on the road. Yeah, I agree with you, and I, I guarantee you nobody wants to come here and play. Nobody. Um, I don't care what team it is out there. They do not want, want to come into this hostile ballpark and have to deal with these Philly fans. So um, if Atlanta does lose the game down there, I guarantee you they're going to be uh, very, very worried. Yeah, we were talking about it before you came on, Mickey, about how great of a manager Rob Thompson has been for this ball club. Can you tell us a little bit about what he's meant to this team, especially when they didn't start out as well as a lot of people were hoping they would this season? Yeah, I, I just think, one, he's a great communicator. Um, I think the players like him. They really like how he manages. I think the thing that really impressive to me is he's not afraid to play the young players. Um, and that was something that Joe really didn't do. Um, and – you have seen such growth from Bohm and Stott and Marsh and now um, the center fielder um, and Pache. You know, Pache come in here and supposedly couldn't hit at all, and he's had some big hits. And um, so he's not afraid to send those guys out in big situations, let them learn, get the, let them get comfortable, and now they're all making huge contributions. 
even the rookie pitcher. I mean, you know, to bring up a rookie pitcher and have him pitch three games during the year, three innings, and now he's on the playoff roster, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, and, and what we saw last night from Orion, uh, Kirkering, man, yeah. he looks like he's got some nasty stuff. Yeah, I mean, they've obviously followed him throughout his rise in the minors this year, and, and obviously it impressed them a lot to be able to call him up late in the year on a playoff team and put him on the roster. So they, they are very impressed, and um, I'm sure Rob's not going not to be afraid to throw him out there in some key situations as we move forward here. Yeah, the way he was pitching last night, I wouldn't be worried either. Yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit more about this as lineup. Trey Turner, obviously the biggest free agent acquisition, really struggled during the season. Fans give him that great ovation. What are you seeing from him since that ovation? Yeah, just, you know, his timing's better. He's not chasing like he was early in the year. I think that was the big thing. He was swinging a lot of pitches out of the zone. And when you do that and you get deeper and deeper and deeper in a slump, it's really, really hard to get out of it. I've been through a lot of them. And um, the deeper you get into it, the, the more pressure you put on yourself. So I do think that, and I'm sure that standing ovation really helped him just relax a little bit and just told himself to go out and play. But Trey's been phenomenal. He's still in bases. You know, he hasn't even been caught all year. Um, and uh, I believe that when he started playing well again, that's when this team really, really took off. Yeah, definitely need him hot like he's been in the playoffs. And then let's talk about Bryson Stott hitting the first Grand Slam of his career. He said last night it was not only the first Grand Slam of his Major League Baseball career, but maybe ever playing <laughs> baseball, which is crazy to me. Yeah. They, were they were talking a little bit on the broadcast last night. He struggled with fastballs last season. He really worked on that this year. What are you seeing from Bryson Stott? Yeah, he's had an incredible year. Um, his defense has been phenomenal. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he won a gold glove this year. I mean, he's been that good uh, defensively. But, you know, ever since he started spreading out a little bit more and shortening his swing, because he's a strong kid, um, he's been great at the plate. You know, he has – he has the best at bats of anybody. Puts the ball in play. He's not afraid to hit with two strikes. We've seen that. I think he was first in the league in two strike base hits. Um, but last night, you know, he usually doesn't swing at a lot of first pitches. Um, but he must have been sitting on a fastball in that situation. And he just said, if I get something middle in, I'm, I'm going after it. And he didn't miss it. Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. And then let's talk about a guy who's become a fan favorite since he's been here, and that's Bryce Harper. Oh, yeah. Have you seen a player have such a flair for the dramatic like Bryce Harper does? It seems like he shows up at big moments. Every time there's an opportunity, he's showing up. You know, I played with Lenny for, you know, four or five years, Lenny Dykstra, and I think they're similar. Now, obviously, Bryce has a lot more power and, and, and does some things offensively, but Lenny, when the bright lights were on, there wasn't a player I, you know, that, he's the player we wanted at the plate when we needed a big hit. And Bryce is the same way. He, um, yeah, he's phenomenal. When we need a big hit, we need a home run or a, a, a run batted in. Man, he's just so good. He's so locked in, and and uh, he's been great for this city. Obviously, uh, I don't think these fans they knew they were getting a really really good player. You know, when we first signed him, but. Man, he's he's really been phenomenal out there and, and, and really, you know, he's been the key to us, uh, 
you know, the last two years, he's been the key. He brings, he's bringing players in here. I think people want to play with him. You know, he yeah. brought Trey, Trey over and, you know, signing of Schwarber and Castellanos and some of these guys. I think that has all has a Bryce Harper effect. Yeah, and this team is just such an easy team to like, which is similar to your 1993 Phillies. I don't think there was a person in this city who didn't love that 93 team. So I got to ask you, can you give us one of your favorite stories or memories from that 93 team and run? Well, do we have about two minutes here? Because I got a fairly long story. Oh, yeah. I'd love to hear this it, man. Kind of a, this is kind of our team and our coaching staff. So um, in 93, we were only out of first place one day that whole year, which was pretty incredible because we were so bad in 92. But um, if you remember, our starting pitching was really good that year. Every starter had at least 12 wins. But they went through a stretch in midsummer where they had a string of really bad starts and our bullpen was way overused, tired, needed a break. And really what we needed was just a starter to go out, pitch deep into the ball game, and just give our bullpen a rest. So Schilling's on the mound in Cincinnati. And if you remember in Cincinnati, they used to shoot off fireworks when the home team hit a home run. So Kurt was getting beat up pretty good again. It looked like we have to get back into that bullpen. It was like five nothing in the fourth. And Barry Larkin came up, hit a home run and fireworks went off. And then Reggie Sanders was the next batter, hit a home run, fireworks went off. So it's like 7 nothing now. So Kurt was turned around, facing the outfield, kind of rubbing the ball up, gathering his thoughts a little bit. And our pitching coach, Johnny Padres, runs out. And Kurt turned around and saw him there and kind of started going off on him. What are you doing out here? I'm getting my butt kicked. You know, I know I got to stay in this game as long as I can. And Kurt's kind of rambling on for like 30 seconds and finally our pitching coach johnny padres goes kurt kurt i didn't come out here to say a damn word to you just came out here to give the fireworks guy time to reload <laughs> <laughs> and he slapped him on the butt and said go get him kid and ran right back in i mean we we loved each other we had so much fun and we i think there are a lot of similarities with this team uh we had so much fun and and played the game the right way played the game hard and that's obviously what this this team, you know, has done over the course of the last two years. Yeah, and you guys beat a Braves team that was. You talk about some good pitching. They had a great pitching staff. What do you see? What do you see in the Braves pitching staff that the Phillies are about to face on Saturday? Yeah, they 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 don't have many weaknesses. I think if they have one weakness, it may be a little bit of that bullpen. Um, their bullpen, I don't think, is as strong um, as it used to be. But, uh, you know, those first couple of guys, and I don't know if Freed's going to be healthier, and I guess he's had some blister issues. But Strider's phenomenal. We've, we've really struggled with him other than the playoff game last year. So um, they, they got a really good starting staff. I think Morton might be out too. So they do have some guys that are banged up a little bit in that starting staff. But, uh Man, they can hit the baseball. They've set all kind of records this year for runs scored and home runs and things like that. They got guys that can steal bases. I mean, Acuna, my gosh, he stole over 70 bases this year. So we're going to have our hands full. We're going to have to score some runs this series. We're going to, you know, there's going to be probably a game or two where we're going to have to bop with them a little bit and, and outscore them. But uh, they're a phenomenal team. Um, but, you know, they, they always seem – they were always good. I mean, they made the playoffs 15 straight years when I was playing and only went to one World Series. So they always seem to play really well during the season and something happens in the playoffs. And hopefully that continues this year. 
Yeah, when they were making the playoffs 15 straight times, it was a lot harder to make the playoffs back then, too. It was, yeah, they only took a couple of teams then. There wasn't this, you know, three wild card system for sure. Yeah, which, as fans, I love because you love to see more playoff baseball. Yeah, but. I think I like it, too. I, I do understand that I don't think it's fair that you get a like a five or six day break for the, you know, the the the, the winning team, the top two teams, because as a hitter, the last thing I want is six days off from seeing live pitching. Now, I know you can do simulated games and things like that. It's just not the same. So, um, you know, they could be a little rusty in game one because they haven't seen a lot of live pitching. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they're trying to do as much as they can to simulate games. But um, five or six days off for a hitter is a long, long time. Yeah, You mentioned Strider. You think he's the – game one starter for the Braves I would imagine yeah he'll be one and I would imagine he'll pitch in one and four um and uh what's the other is it elder or something like that I don't follow the Braves too much um I might be yeah I believe so yeah he'll probably game two I would imagine and then you have you mentioned earlier you think it's Ranger Suarez for the Phillies rolling out in game one think um unless they want to keep him in the pen but uh, and then it would be sanchez i would imagine um because they do have some lefty hitters there and and i think they struggled a little bit more with lefties than righties but uh you know rangers got some experience sanchez doesn't so to pitch on the road isn't easy i would assume it's going to be ranger and it's interesting because for a five game series there's three rest days so the nice part is is Wheeler gets game two, you probably would get him again for game five if it gets there. I would think so. I would think so. Um, yeah, that's a nice thing to have. And, and if Strider pitches one and four, then in game five, I think we have a huge advantage. So um, we'll see what happens. Um, it's two really good teams. You know, it's, it's going to be a war here. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a grind. And I, I would assume it's going to go five games, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, you mentioned this team's got to score runs. What do you think the key is to this series for the Phillies to get out victorious? Well, we got to keep Acuna down a little bit. We can't let Acuna go off. I mean, he's he's probably going to win the MVP this year, and he's an impact player. He can change the, the you know the life of the game a little bit. So um, if we can keep him in check, um, then I think we got a good chance to win. I hope you're right because. The more red October we get, the better as Phillies fans, man. We love it. We Absolutely. Can't get, we can't get enough of it. Well, Mickey, I appreciate you making the time, man. This was awesome. I know our fans really appreciated it. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about our 4-0 Philadelphia Eagles, so don't go anywhere. Mickey, have a good one, man. Thanks. Great to be on the show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles What's up everybody? Welcome back to the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. That was some great stuff from really a childhood favorite player of mine, Mickey Morandini. That 93 team was the reason I fell in love with Philadelphia Phillies baseball. Still have nightmares about that Joe Carter home run. Didn't want to talk to him about that, but some really great stuff. That team, talk about this team being likable, this Phillies team. You look back at that 93 team, they had some personalities with Dutch Dalton and Lenny Dykstra, Kurt Schilling, Jim Eisenreich, Mickey. So some really, really cool stuff there. But we're going to switch gears a little bit. We got the fight in Phils on Saturday. But there's another team in this city, a team that I love, and I know all you guys love, and that's our Philadelphia Eagles, our 4-0 and Philadelphia Eagles, although the vibe in the city doesn't necessarily feel like they're 4-0. People haven't been as happy about it. And I see, switching back to the Phillies real quick, the real RMP, Mitch Williams with the vomit emoji. Yeah, that one hurt. That one hurt. Wild thing. Throwing that home run to Carter, that one will sting for a while. But, hey, we had 08, and let's hope we get 23. So let's see what happens, boys and girls. But let's switch gears. Eagles, 4-0 Eagles, let me know in the comments. How do you feel about this 4-0 Eagles team? Are you feeling good? Are you worried? Do you think that we should be happier than we are right now with a 4-0 team? I talked to you guys a couple of days ago about we need to enjoy this ride. We have to stop worrying about January. We have to stop worrying about Super Bowls. I get it. That's what I want too. But don't forget to enjoy the ride while it's here. We have such a good team. They're winning games at an unprecedented clip for Philadelphia Eagles football. Let's enjoy it. Let's analyze it. Let's talk about what needs to improve. But at the same time, don't forget to enjoy it. 
see, I'm a golfer. I like to golf. And one of the problems I always have is I go out there and I want to play well so damn bad that if I'm not playing well, I forget to enjoy myself on the golf course. Sometimes I get to 16th, 17th hole and I'm like, man, I didn't have any fun today. This was supposed to be fun. It's a beautiful day. I'm out on the golf course for four hours and I didn't have any fun because I wanted to play so much better than I played. So similar feeling. Let's enjoy it. And trust me, I'm reminding myself of the same thing because I do not do that on the golf course at all. But let's talk about this Philadelphia Eagles team. A couple of injury updates. Justin Evans is back at practice. That could be big. He had a neck injury. He was back at practice, full participant. I would really like to see Justin Evans starting over Terrell Edmonds. And that's something I never thought I would say in the offseason when they signed Justin Evans. But I do do not think that Terrell Edmonds is your answer at safety back there. And the only reason why I'm saying, hey, I want to see Justin Evans is because I'm not sure if Sidney Brown is going to be back from injury yet. So he is practicing in a limited role. He has that hamstring injury. So we will see. But we would really like to get both of those guys back on the field, Justin Evans and Sidney Brown, to hopefully solidify that safety position. Because as good as Reed Blankenship is at safety, I have no confidence in Terrell Edmonds back there. And we talked a little bit about this yesterday. Terrell Edmonds started a lot of games for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that was a big tell to me when the Eagles signed Terrell Edmonds is if this guy was worthy of being a starting safety in this league, I don't think you would have let him walk out the door if you're Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because it wasn't as if the Eagles paid him a lot of money. That wasn't why he came here. He came here on a one-year deal because he really couldn't get a deal from Pittsburgh. So if Pittsburgh thought this guy was the answer at safety, they're not letting him walk out the door. So that was a telltale sign to me. So we will see. Hopefully, Justin Evans is at least back. I would really like to see Sidney Brown come back. And then the other question mark is the new corner they signed, Bradley Roby. Is he going to be ready to play this weekend? And what do you guys think in the chat? Now, Bradley Roby, he's a veteran, 31 years old. He's played 126 games in his career. He started 60 games. Would you play him on Sunday? Do you think he needs more than a few days to get acclimated to this defense, or would you throw him right in there? I am of the mindset now where I think we throw him right in because I just don't have the confidence in Josh Job at that outside corner position. I'd like to see them maybe give the young guys a shot, Eli Ricks or Keely Ringo, but it doesn't look like they have faith in those guys either because they're starting Josh Job. And Mario Goodrich was inactive two weeks ago. So I'm willing to do anything right now as long as it doesn't mean keeping James Bradbury in the slot. And I said this to you guys yesterday. I want Bradbury back at his natural all-pro position outside. I do not want him in the slot. So if Bradley Roby is ready, let's get him in the mix. Let's see what we have at him at nickel corner. Now, John McMullen earlier on Birds 365 reported they already gave Bradley Roby a locker. So it looks like they know he's a guy that's going to be on this team. So even though he's technically on the practice squad right now, it looks like he's a guy that they had faith in when they signed him, and he is going to be here, and he's going to be a part of this defense. They gave him a full locker already. So 
Maybe you see Bradley Roby this weekend to see what he has left in the tank. I talked to you guys a little bit about these numbers yesterday. If you look at pro football focus, and pro football focus isn't necessarily the Bible, but they do a pretty good job on grading these players. 2022 was Bradley Roby's worst pro football focus grade of his career. Not necessarily a good sign for a 31-year-old corner that he's being graded the worst he's ever been graded. But we talked also about this yesterday. You look at his stats last year, and they weren't that bad. Quarterbacks were not that successful against him. 63 targets, only gave up 34 receptions for 400 yards, one touchdown. Quarterback rating of 79.4. That is promising. So what do you trust, the stats or the pro football focus grade? We'll see if he's ready. JM makes a good point in the chat. Is is he in game shape? You can't come off the streets and play four quarters at D-back. Well, it depends. This is a veteran. He's a professional. Sometimes these guys are in game shape. They keep themselves in shape. They are professionals. Look at what Ndamukong Sue and Linval Joseph did last year. I get it. Different position, different conditioning. But if this guy was not just sitting on his couch and he's working hard every week knowing he's about to sign with a football team, he may be ready. But Chuck Hutton, I agree, only gave up one touchdown last year in coverage. So promising. Let's hope Bradley Roby is the answer because do you guys agree with me? I said it yesterday, and I'm going to keep pounding on the table until it stops happening. Get Bradbury out of the slot. Get Josh Job off the field. Put Bradbury, your all-pro corner. You didn't bring him in here to be a slot corner. You brought him in here to be a shutdown outside corner. That's why you paid him what you paid him, and that's why he was a second-team all-pro last season. So if you agree with me, let me know. I want him to move back outside. So the next big news that came out today is Fletcher Cox, who is having, I said it yesterday, hope I didn't jinx him, I said it yesterday on the show, having a vintage season, looks like the Fletcher Cox of old, really dominating and playing a ton of snaps. He played 74% of the defensive snaps in that Washington Commanders game. And so far on the season, Fletcher Cox has played 70% of the defensive snaps. So as deep as this D-tackle position is with Milton Williams and Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis and even Marlon Tupelotu and Kentavia Street, Fletcher Cox is still getting 70% of the snaps. Well, he has a back injury. He had an epidural done to his back. And if you guys follow my podcast, Legal Hands to the Face, every week I have Dr. Chris Radcliffe on, orthopedic surgeon, to talk to me about these injuries. I wish we would have known this information before. So we could have asked Dr. Radcliffe, is there any chance he can play? Now, he's questionable. We will see. The word that's being reported right now is if he is out for any period of time, that it would only be one game. But if it's this week, we're going to have to see these young guys step up. Now's the time. Jalen Carter has played really, really well. We talked about pro football focus not being the Bible, but they have Jalen Carter rated as the number one D tackle in the NFL. Number two, Aaron Donald, who the Eagles will face this weekend. But they have Jalen Carter above him. So, But so far this season, Jalen Carter has played 48% of the defensive snaps. Milton Williams, 41%. And Jordan Davis, 39%. If Fletcher Cox can't go this weekend, 
you're going to see those numbers way up. This is going to be Jalen Carter's opportunity to shine even more than he already has. And pretty cool stage to do it on with Aaron Donald on the other side. I almost called him Aaron Nola. I got Aaron Nola on my mind. But with Aaron Donald on the other side, it'd be great for for Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis to really have a big game. But I think if Fletcher Cox is out, those 70% of the defensive reps will be spread out between Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, and Milton Williams. Milton Williams has played well this season. I was expecting even more from him this season, and I think you're going to see it. I think as this season progresses, Milton Williams is a really good defensive tackle, a really good defensive tackle. But even with those three guys, Marlon Tupelotu is also questionable coming into this game. So if Fletcher Cox and Marlin are out, you will probably see a little bit more from Contavia Street. Contavia Street's a guy, he's played for the Saints, he's played for the 49ers, pretty versatile, can cause interior pressure, he can get after the quarterback, he can also stop the run. You may see a little bit more from Contavia Street. And then does Mauro Ojomo, the seventh-round rookie that they signed, does he get any playing time this week if Fletcher Cox and Marlon Tupelotu can't go? Now, I see you guys in the chat. I see M. Reyes, Carter might squash Stafford. And I see Kevin Savard, Jordan Davis lands on him, bring out the cart, LOL, responding to M. Reyes. The only problem is, and I talked a little bit about this yesterday, the interior of the Rams' offensive line is very good. Probably the best interior that you're going to see from this offensive line. And JM's asking about Mauro Ojomo on IR for the year. I know he had a concussion. I didn't think he was on for the year. Let me see. I'll check that now if Mauro Ojomo's on IR. I thought that he was only on IR for a short period of time. I thought he was on concussion protocol. And that's all I'm seeing is that he was in the concussion protocol. But I'll, I'll look into that. But he's not eligible to play. Thanks, JM. Thank you. I'll have to look into that. But you look at the interior of this offensive line with the Rams, and they're probably the best offensive line that the Eagles have faced yet this season. So if we're going to get pressure on Stafford, and Stafford's a little banged up, he's got that hip injury, if we're going to get pressure, it's going to be tough to get it against Coleman Shelton and guard Kevin Dawson. These guys are good on the Rams' offensive line. It's going to have to come from our edge rushers, and that's what I'm really hoping to see is our edges finally start generating some pressure because we saw a little bit out of Hassan Reddick last week. We saw a little bit out of Josh Sweat so far this season, but let's hope this is the time that these edge rushers can get after it. And guys, if you tune in tomorrow for our football Friday show, we're going to spend the whole hour talking Philadelphia Eagles, breaking down all the matchups, Rams offense, Rams defense, some of the things that I think are keys to this matchup. So be sure to tune in tomorrow. But before we end the show, like I do every week, we just take a look at today in history. So some interesting things happened on October 5th in history. In 1921, October 5th, 1921, the World Series baseball game between the New York Giants and New York Yankees became the first to be broadcast on the radio. So think about how far things have come. We are now on YouTube coming to you live with you guys connecting and commenting. 1921, October 5th, first time they ever even broadcast a baseball game on the radio. And then 
22 years ago, October 5th, 2001, the founder of Apple, Steve Jobs, introduces the iPod, revolutionizing the music industry and technology. Talk about how much things have changed because of these damn things, which iPod stemmed from and now iPhone. So some of you guys are probably streaming this live on your phone, which is pretty cool, which is pretty cool. So guys, as always, I really appreciate all the engagement. I appreciate the comments. Hit that like button. Hit that share button. Make sure you are subscribed to the Jacob Sports Network for the Philly Sports Power Hour. I will be back right here tomorrow, same time, 10 a.m., and we're going to do a bunch of Philadelphia Eagles talk, which I love. So as always, go Phils and go Birds. Talk soon, guys. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles